Welcome to New York, Quebec, and the water route to the center of the world. This is bonus episode 11, Despair, Stalemate, and Hope in Revolutionary War, Hudson Valley. The Revolutionary War history of the Hudson Valley is rich and storied. Conflict ebbed and flowed across the valley tied to the general course of the war. I will be discussing the conflict with a focus around the battles of White Plains, Forts Clinton and Montgomery, and the Battle of Pines Bridge. Each reflect important wider stages amongst the general grand movement of the revolutionary timeline. White Plains represents the chaotic aftermath of the British invasion of New York in 1776. Forts Clinton and Montgomery are representative of the Saratoga campaign, and Pines Bridge demonstrates the savage, no-man's-land stalemate of Westchester County as the war moved south, starting in 1780. I was born in White Plains, which is now a major economic center and county seat of Westchester. The city was named due to the presence of thick white fog that would accumulate across the broad floodplain of the meandering Bronx River. One can still sit on the Metro North platform and look west across the Bronx River toward former British lines on the hillocks that surrounded the river valley. American forces would have been arrayed to the east on a lower set of hills, awaiting a foe that seemingly was unstoppable. British forces appeared in New York Harbor on August 22, 1776, and landed 22,000 troops. Continental forces were almost trapped and destroyed in the Battle of Long Island on August 27, 1776. Washington's forces used the cover of a thick fog to evacuate across the East River to the island of Manhattan. British control of the waterways allowed them free range of troop movement and the ability to bottle the Continentals on Manhattan. The landings at Kipps Bay and the Battle of Harlem saw Washington's forces clinging to northern Manhattan and the Hudson River forts situated at the terminus sites of the modern George Washington Bridge. Continental forces had control of the Kings Bridge, spanning the modern Inwood section of Manhattan to the Kingsbridge neighborhood of the Bronx. The route of the Broadway still maintains this path north off the island. Washington had established a supply depot at a location in southern Westchester called White Plains. This location became untenable as the British used their naval superiority to move forces up the East River and landed at Throg's Neck. The extended spit of land was blocked on October 12th by enterprising continental forces using the many streams and marshy terrain to stop the British from moving inland. Though the British were rebuffed and withdrew their forces, Washington knew his supply depot at White Plains must be moved to the Hudson Highlands, where the terrain would offer defensive advantage. One week later, British forces landed at the Huguenot-founded city of New Rochelle. General Howe proceeded to march northwest toward the supply depot at White Plains with 10,000 British and Hessian soldiers. Howe hoped to either destroy Washington's forces or eliminate precious supplies. Washington's forces attempted to take a commanding position blocking the British advance up the Bronx River Valley. On October 28th, Hessian forces under Colonel Johann Rahl forded the Bronx River at Hartsdale and were checked by 1,000 Continentals under Joseph Spencer. The main action of the day saw a frantic effort to entrench Chatterton's Hill, which was forming up to be the geographic feature dominating the central field of fire. The 1,000 Continentals retreated to Washington's lines, and the newly arrived militia was placed on the right. 4,000 British troops and 20 cannon were trained on the newly dug entrenchments of General Putnam on Chatterton's Hill. Putnam's militia augmented line troops under Colonel Spencer and McDougall, totaling around 4,000. The singular problem with the American position was Chatterton's Hill lay across a bend in the Bronx River 
and was separated from the other American forces. British attacks stalled in the face of fierce musket fire, but Hessian forces flanked the extreme right of the militia position. The militia line was rolled up and its men fled across the Bronx River toward the still holding American lines. The American forces started an orderly retreat and Washington had fought a delaying action in the knowledge that his supply depot was being safely moved north across the Croton River. Howe had attempted to reinforce his position with additional troops from Manhattan, but Washington had used bad rains to mask his withdrawal. British forces chose not to pursue Washington for the moment, but instead reduced the Hudson Palisades forts. Washington maintained his headquarters in North White Plains at the Miller House during the Battle of White Plains. It has been recently restored and turned into a museum as it was also the site of General Lee's court-martial. By early fall 1777, Washington's forces were on the run along with the entire Continental Congress after the Battle of Brandywine. With the British in possession of the rebel capital of Philadelphia, it was hoped a thrust down from Canada and up from New York City could crush the American stronghold in the Hudson Highlands. 7,500 British troops under General Burgoyne would make their way down the water route consisting of the Lake Champlain to Lake George Corridor. Colonel St. Ledger was to make his way down the St. Lawrence and into the Mohawk River Valley via Lake Ontario. Burgoyne would reduce the rebel fortifications of Ticonderoga at the southern shore of Lake Champlain, and St. Ledger was to seize Fort Stanwix guarding the great carrying place along the Mohawk River. Both armies would converge on Albany and drive south in the hopes of meeting a British army from New York, but Howe's decision to attack and occupy Philadelphia left only meager reserves to send north to aid Burgoyne. Colonel St. Ledger's forces lay siege to Fort Stanwix at the start of August, but were forced to raise it due to the incoming relief column led by General Herkimer. The vicious Battle of Oriskany pitted Loyalist, Hessians, and Iroquois against local rebel militia, and members of the Oneida tribe. American forces suffered heavy losses with over 300 killed, but a sortie by the garrison of Fort Stanwix into the lightly guarded enemy encampment caused the British to break off the action. This was the first instance of civil war within the Iroquois Confederation during the Revolution. Native allies of the British disheartened by the loss of their baggage and placement in the exposed firing lines of European warfare melted away from St. Ledger's army. He was unable to force the Mohawk Valley and converge on Albany with Burgoyne's forces. Burgoyne received word of both Howe's foray to Philadelphia and St. Ledger's defeat by early September 1777, but decided upon seizing Albany as a winter quarters. American forces had constructed fortifications on the route alongside the Hudson, located on series of bluffs outside the village of Saratoga. On September 19th, a British column was engaged by Daniel Morgan's riflemen, who held their ground and retreated to the American works as night fell. Though the British held the field, they advanced no more and dug in. On October 6th, General Clinton and 3,000 soldiers landed at Stony Point, which is directly west across the Hudson from Peekskill, New York. General Clinton had tricked 2,000 Americans under General Putnam into believing the main attack would come at Peekskill. The naval feint had worked as Clinton's 3,000-strong force landed on October 6th and split into two, with the intention of attacking both Forts Montgomery and Clinton in a simultaneous assault, preventing mutual aid from being rendered. One force would move around the western side of Bear Mountain, while the other force would stay east of the mountain and hug the river. The British coordinated their attack perfectly. 
and took both undermanned garrisons by surprise. Around 600 Americans were surrounded on land and bombarded from the river by a Royal Naval flotilla. American artillery pickets and screens had engaged the British, but could not hold off the attack long enough for reinforcements from Peekskill under General Putnam to move across the river. The Americans fought all day from behind the still unfinished ramparts, but superior British numbers began to show. By nightfall, more than 75 American defenders had been killed and 250 taken captive. With more than half of the American force killed or captured, General Clinton retreated into the woods with about 200 soldiers. The British followed up their victory by destroying the chain across the Hudson and raiding Kingston. The battle is often called the Battle of the Clintons due to the involvement with George and James on the American side and Sir Henry Clinton commanding the British forces. While a major tactical success, the British victory was a Pyrrhic one. A day later on October 7th, British forces engaged American fortifications around Bemis Heights in a final push to reach a winter quarters at Albany. British columns buckled under severe and accurate fire of rifled American marksmen led by General Morgan. By late afternoon, the British began to waver and had begun to fall back to their own fortifications when one of the most legendary moments of the American Revolution occurred. A recently chastised General Benedict Arnold had been stripped of command and confined to his tent, but instantly recognized the opportunity in the British withdrawal. He hopped upon a horse and charged directly into the fray, taking command of several hundred American troops approaching British redoubts. Arnold's legendary charge strayed into the gap between the British fortifications, turned a British retreat into a rout. A vicious fight saw Arnold's horse shot from underneath him and crushing his leg in the ensuing fall. General Gates' staff finally caught up with Arnold and had him removed from the field on a litter, but Arnold's charge negated British victories at Forts Montgomery and Clinton and ended the threat of the Canadian thrust. Burgoyne would be hampered by bad weather in a desperate attempt to retreat north and surrendered his force to Gates on October 17th. The battle would lead to the American-French alliance of 1778 and change the entire trajectory of the war. With the British plan to secure the Hudson and cut the rebellion in half smashed at Saratoga, in 1780, the British turned their attention south. Westchester County in southern New York became a no-man's land punctuated by open civil war. As the major operations commenced in the southern colonies, the British encouraged raiding parties of loyalist militia led by Colonel Delancey to probe the American lines along the Croton River. Pines Bridge is located in the modern town of Yorktown Heights, but was known as Hanover in 1780. The Croton River marked the new lines of American fortifications constructed after the defeat at White Plains and controlled access to supply depots in the Hudson Highlands. Besides some basic fords, it was the only bridge to cross the Croton at the time. Pines Bridge became the main focus of the American fortifications, after a secondary position on Route 202 was raided and burned in late 1780. Washington decided to reinforce the garrison with some of the best troops he had on hand. Lieutenant Christopher Green was assigned by Washington to the post at Pines Bridge with 130 men of 1st Rhode Island Infantry Bridge. Though woefully under strength, these battle-tested veterans had showed themselves steady under fire at Newport two years before. The 1st Rhode Island Regiment was made up of state-purchased or authorized enslaved men who were given the promise of freedom after their term of service. While the regiment was majority African descent, a sizable Narragansett native population was present, 
their ancestors had been enslaved 100 years prior during King Philip's War. By early April 1781, Green had set up a series of entrenched fortifications above the bridge and guarded by several watchposts, centered around local farmsteads, hugging the ridge controlling access to other local fords. On the night of May 13, 1781, American forces secured Pines Bridge by removing the planks and switching out pickets, like they did every dawn and dusk. Lieutenant Green was posted several hundred yards away from the bridge at the Davenport House, which he chose to make his headquarters. During the early morning hours of May 14th, 300 British Loyalist militia, called refugees by the Americans, left from what is now the Bronx and made their way north with the help of local guides. They aimed to not attack the bridge directly, but take advantage of the change of pickets at dawn and launch an attack across the unprotected ford on the Croton River. The ford they chose just so happened to be protected by the outpost at the Davenport House which was occupied by a sleeping Lieutenant Green. Green had around 40 men stationed with him at the Davenport outpost, but the troops were not forewarned by the absent pickets. Delancey used his mounted advantage to rapidly fall upon Green's still-sleeping force. Lieutenant Green was killed as he stumbled from the Davenport house in response to the shouts and clashes of steel. In vicious close-quarters fighting, British forces inflicted upon the Continentals eight dead, six wounded, and 24 captured. Loyalist militia quickly bundled the captured first Rhode Islanders back across the Croton and south to their base in the Bronx, with many being sold into slavery to planters in the West Indies. Lieutenant Green is buried at the same Yorktown Presbyterian Church on Route 202 that served as a prior American outpost. Now a memorial stands to those valiant patriot defenders in a beautiful park located in the modern town of Yorktown Heights. Thanks for listening to New York, Quebec, and the water route to the center of the world. Thank you.